podcast today is with Corey Schmid. Uh, he's he's really good friends with me and my wife and his husband Nathan, um, or people we, we hang out with frequently, um, and, and have really gotten to know each other well. So it was fun to be able to ask him some more questions about his job on the Deed uh, Department of employment and economic development um for those of you who are less familiar so within the podcast you'll you'll really get a feel um if you're already not uh privy to some of the challenges from the public sector you've only worked in the private sector i know for me uh it was it was eye-opening to some of the additional challenges to to being able to use data um and and decisions and all the different inputs that have to go into it when when you're in the uh, public sector and then if you're not familiar with deed um this will be really good insight to kind of what deed does um or maybe some of the the tax money that that you see come out of your paycheck where it goes and, and the good that it does there are a lot of really cool programs that that Corey's involved in and and is able to talk about so again really interesting conversation Um, so then at at the end you'll also hear about some additional resources if if you find it familiar so that'll be kind of at the very end and and in the description as well we'll have the the links the phone numbers everything that that he kind of mentions as well enjoy welcome to the podcast Corey how are you doing good how are you Jason doing well so this is actually the first recording of our podcast um however it won't actually be the first one in the listening order so um people may start picking up on that yeah no pressure right (laughs) um so yeah uh cory just want to kind of get to know you a bit better for people listening um kind of talk a little bit about yourself kind of this is the the non-work related things kind of what you're interested in what you do in your free time yeah. Um, first of all, yeah, thanks for having me on uh, the podcast. I think it's a great uh, opportunity to kind of share some perspectives on um, data and the use of data. And uh, so, yeah, so a little bit about myself um, outside of work. Um, probably the one big thing people really know about me is that uh, I really like doing extreme couponing and getting really good deals on anything that I can possibly get a good deal on. Um, so that's a pretty big hobby of mine. Um, lately, um, we've really been turning to plants as a way to, uh, keep ourselves busy. So I just actually got two new house plants the other day, um, which crossed my fingers. I'll be able to keep them alive. Um, I'm not great at that yet. Um, so striving for success in 2022. Um, and then, you know, looking to this summer along that same vein, um, we had a large native garden uh, installed in our backyard, and so I look forward to tending to that, which shouldn't be much, uh, just because it's native and it does what it needs to do. So looking forward to seeing some monarchs and uh, other creatures that uh, find their way into our yard this summer. Awesome, yeah. Nathan and uh, Corey ended up getting my wife into couponing as well. So that was uh, an interesting thing I've gotten to see. So um, so now from like a work perspective, um, kind of I'm going to assume some people may not even know what DEED is. Um, so maybe give a little bit of background on, on DEED, what it is, what its purpose is, and then kind of what you do within DEED as well. Yeah, so um, DEED has a kind of broad umbrella of um, services and Um, really activities that it conducts on a year-to-year basis. So the main goal is to really create an economic viable situation for all Minnesotans. Um, That goes for youth, that goes for adults, that goes for um, senior citizens, et cetera. 
Um, and so that's kind of the broad umbrella of what the goal is. Um, DEED really is split into four different um, main departments. So you have business and community development. Um, within that, there is the Minnesota Trade Office, um, community finance, business finance, um, and labor market information. Uh, you have workforce development, which encompasses the area I work in, which is employment and training programs. That also includes vocational rehabilitation services, uh, state services for the blind. Um, there's also the operations uh, side of it, which is just kind of the, the day-to-day -day, um, workings of DEED. Um, and of course, I'm gonna blank on the last one, um, but those are the main three really that we do have uh, at DEED and are probably the most relevant anyway to um, this podcast and the discussion we're gonna have. Uh, especially the labor market side, as well as potentially the career force piece, which is under workforce development. Awesome. So then within that, kind of what what area do you focus on or play in the, the most? Yeah, so um, I've actually been a deed for almost six years now, um, and I work in the Office of Youth Development, which is housed under the uh, Employment and Training Division. So Employment and Training Division encompasses workforce development programs for youth, for adults, um, dislocated workers, um, senior citizens, uh, individuals who are impacted by trade. So when um, a business is lost or is moved out of state, out of, you know, even maybe out of the country um, and a jobs are lost because of that, um, we have services that help those individuals get back on their feet and find uh, a new career. Uh, so with that, my focus again is youth. And so we focus on serving youth 14 to 24 years old um, who have at least uh, one, probably most likely two um, at-risk uh, characteristics, if you will, that um, are kind of barriers to employment and education success. So at-risk uh, things could include that they have um, been involved in the foster care system, they were involved in the juvenile justice system, they have a disability, they are two, three, four, or more grades behind um, where they should be, um, those kinds of things. Uh, our programs also require that all youth who are served have to be um, considered low income. Um, and of course, that can be a broad definition um, for some of our programs are a little, a little more strict than others, but um, the program I primarily manage called Youth at Work, um, that one, as long as you're receiving free, free or reduced lunch, uh, you're eligible in terms of um, low income status. So uh, the goal of our programs really is to serve the youth who are in most need, really. Um, quite frankly, not the kids who are able to, you know, take AP classes and, and fly right through high school like it was nothing. Um, our kids are not in those situations most of the time. So that's kind of who we serve and um, kind of what we look at. Um, I do touch a little bit on career force, which is the more public facing side of deed in terms of workforce development. Um, so there are about 50, I think, uh, career force centers located across the state. Um, and those used to be really colloquially known as like the unemployment office. Uh, when you'd get your unemployment notice, you'd have to go there and sign up for benefits and et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
Indeed does also manage unemployment insurance, which was pretty uh, popular during the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, especially at the beginning. So um, that's kind of where I land with Indeed. Um, and I do cross sectors a little bit within workforce development. So it's, um, it's a, a neat place to be. Yeah, definitely. It sounds really interesting. You know, when we talked about this kind of initially is eye-opening, I had never like asked you in detail about what you do. And we actually found some degree of crossover in the, the HR analytics space and, and what we do yeah. in our job. So awesome. So if as a small business owners or business owners uh, listening to this, like where, where would they probably see Deed the most or maybe where they've seen Deed and maybe haven't recognized that a program um, is coming from, from Deed? Yeah, so I, I would say there's probably three areas. Um, number one, I guess, um, possibly unemployment insurance. If they've ever um, had to uh, lay off staff, you may get verification information from unemployment insurance. Um, if you have sought loans or grants or uh, a popular thing during the uh, COVID uh, pandemic was the PPP loans. Um, those were all um, kind of ushered through via the um, business and community development side of DEED. Um, so when the state also passed some emergency funding or got some federal funding, I forget exactly how it came through, but um, DEED partnered with the Minnesota Lottery, for example, to draw at random um, what businesses would get a, a grant um, through one of those programs. So uh, kind of unique there. So that would be probably the other most primary way, I guess, most businesses would maybe uh, interact or know of DEED. Uh, and lastly, it would probably be through the career force centers and uh, really the workforce development programs. So we have a lot of small businesses across the state that partner with um, grantees that I manage um, and serve as uh, internship hosting sites um, for young people. Uh, some even large companies like Medtronic um, partners with a lot of local nonprofits and um, the career force system partners uh, to provide internship opportunities uh, to youth. Um, that would probably be the primary primary three ways. Um, if you've ever started a small business, you might touch base with Deed a little bit just to see what resources are out there. Um, those kinds of things would probably be the most. And maybe lastly, um, Minnesota, well, all states are required to have a free job board um, that employers can post their job openings to. And so if uh, an employer has done that, um, you might engage with uh, minnesotaworks.net. Awesome. Yeah, a ton of different ways it sounds like to be able to, to interact and sometimes maybe not even knowing it where it's coming from. So. That's yep. awesome. Now that there's a little bit of context on Corey, kind of get to know him um, as well as Deed and, and what Deed is, if you're not already familiar. Now we transition the conversation a bit more to how does Deed use data? So one of the things, again, it's private sector versus public sector. You'll continue to kind of see some of these things come in as by no means is, is Corey a data analyst. He would never <laughs> even admit to that, um, but he is a consumer of data and, and does have a good lens on on how to use data to help make decisions. Again, it doesn't always have to be complicated. Sometimes it's using what other people have already done for you. So now shifting to kind of the data focus, like how, how Deed's using data. So um, 
at like kind of a, a high level from a decision-making standpoint, what are some ways that that deed is using data to be able to kind of make decisions or, or do things differently than maybe just intuition would be? Yeah, so I think, um, so looking at my time at Deed, so like I said, I've been there about six years. Um, when I started, we had just basically onboarded a new commissioner, um, Shantara Hardy. Um, she had a very strong background in politics and local government. Um, and she really brought, um, I would argue, she really brought the equity lens to deed um, starting in about 2016. Not that it wasn't there, wasn't non-existent before, but I think truly doubling down on efforts to tackle um, racial equity uh, in the labor market that in Minnesota. Um, so one of those big pieces I think comes from the labor market information team. So the labor market information team are the ones who essentially calculate Minnesota's unemployment uh, numbers. So when you see the headline number, Minnesota unemployment drops to whatever percent, that's deed calculating that number. And so within that though, it's not just unemployment, that's just one measure on the economy. Um, looking deeper into those. You have multiple levels of unemployment uh, rates um, that include certain people, that exclude certain people, et cetera, et cetera. So within those and other statistics that are run through the labor market information team, identifying these disparities among um, communities of color in Minnesota and um, the predominantly white um, population in Minnesota, you, you can really see some, some stark differences in employment levels. Um, so I think that is arguably the most obvious way that DEED uses data to help with decision-making. Um, the other way is determining kind of high growth or in-demand industries, as we call them, or jobs. Um, so looking at like the healthcare field, and they most likely have probably the top five most in-demand high growth positions in the state at the moment. Um, so using that kind of data um, to determine how programs like the ones I manage maybe focus in terms of um, prioritizing funding potentially, or um, you know, what sort of legislative asks deed um, puts forth. Uh, those kinds of things can really help with the decision-making process um, and determining those priorities of where um, funding can go, should go, um, all of that. And, and given that we work, I work for state government, um, to, to some extent, everything is political, um, given that, yes, we have a commissioner, but also the governor's office has a, can have a lot of say over what um, state departments do. Um, and then, of course, the legislature they can fund whatever they want to fund, and they can tell us how it should be run. Um, they can be very prescriptive, or they can be just very kind of hands-off. So it can be a bit of both, um, which is interesting. And, and that's why we need to rely on that data from labor market information and other sources to really kind of determine some priorities at times. Awesome. So one of the, the questions I like to like, or like to ask, it, it doesn't always come up when you're, you're doing data analysis or looking at data. A lot of the times it's maybe you already knew it, but are there any examples you can think of that you've seen where it's like, oh man, we really thought this, but now, now that we start looking at this, like maybe this is actually where we should focus or 
are actually what we should be thinking about? Um, I think one, I think there's one thing with that that can be difficult in the public sector is that um, co and compared to the private sector is the private sector can move real quickly. So you look at Minnesota's economy and you have, you know, green energy, clean jobs, clean tech, whatever you want to call it, massively growing so, so, so fast. Well, those jobs maybe are in demand or high growth, but they're also not very common. So one thing that we have to look at when we do this data where it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, these are high growth jobs or these are high growth fields, but given the priorities that A, we've already set, B, that already exist in healthcare, manufacturing, agriculture, whatever it may be, how can we then feed that into there? So it, I don't really have a great example of where we've seen data and be like, hmm, but that would maybe kind of be an area where the public maybe needs to catch up a little bit in terms of prioritizing green jobs or whatever emerging industries there may be um, to the data in terms of high growth industries. Yeah, and that's it's interesting. It kind of speaks to sometimes when you're using data, you can't just take it at face value. You need to apply like the, the different context being in the public sector with green energy jobs, like, yeah, it's high growth, but there's not a ton of volume, like all those things. Yes, you could look at it from a data perspective, but also there's a lot of things beyond just using the data that you, you can kind of use. You can't just rely on data and just blindly make a decision because that, that doesn't work in any context. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. And I, you know, I think uh, another factor to consider too, especially uh, working in youth development is that um, there are also labor laws that exist. So some of these jobs are inaccessible to the clients we serve until they're 18. Um, and, and the other thing on top of that is aligning, you know, industry recognized credentials. That's another huge piece of our programs is, um, you know, helping youth get a credential that they can use at one job and then move on to another job and also, you know, use that credential there. Um, so working with community and technical colleges across the state to develop, um, you know, certificate programs or degrees um, that also align with these emerging industries is critical. And if that doesn't happen, the data can tell you all at once. But if that doesn't happen, there's still going to be a mis misalignment within the labor force. Definitely awesome. So now shifting gears towards like specific programs. Um, let me make sure I'm using the right terminology here. Uh, you guys aren't necessarily administering programs. Um, you're kind of help overseeing them, correct? Like the district. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I did use the right terminology. Perfect. <laughs> um, so uh, with some of those programs, um, we had gotten into this a little bit before, but from the measurement of the program, so funds are allocated, they go to programs and the people who actually administer them, administer the program. Um, and then after the fact, um, it sounded like some of these these programs are actually using data to measure some of the outcomes. So can you kind of speak through that? And maybe if you have a specific example to kind of use to walk through to kind of maybe see the journey and how that looks. Yeah, so I did say it can be a little difficult with some of our programs because they are so broad. So um, for example, we can have one program that focuses entirely on providing work experiences, paid work experiences to young people at the same time that from the same pot of funding, 
we can have another organization that is only focused on um, kind of the early stages of figuring out what you even want to do in life, you know, working with 15, 16 year olds rather than 21, 22 year olds. So it can be very different in that sense. So that's where our data can be um, interesting in that um, spread out. And there's usually not like one particular program outcome that is just skyrocket for, you know, super high for all programs because they can vary so much. Um, but I think a spe specific example that was recently done um, was this grant. So it's called CP3. Um, it's a federally funded uh, opportunity that we were able to award to um, some organizations. Uh, part of it was based on the idea that greater Minnesota um, is underserved in a lot of ways in terms of funding going to greater Minnesota. So in terms of that kind of data, in terms of funding going to places, that's something that came into play here. So that was a parameter we put into our um, request for proposal to fund um, rural sites. Um, the grant also was used to kind of supplement an already existing federal program that has very prescribed performance outcome measures. Um, but at the same time, we could create additional flexibility. And so that too, I think ties to the point about data of, yes, the federal program is very much backed by um, program outcomes, data, and, and that sort of research at the federal level, yet at times it can be a bit restrictive on the ground where our providers are working directly with youth and they need a little more flexibility here and there. So that's what this grant ultimately did um, and so with that data um, and the other broader data, such as labor market data, really targeted um, programs that were going to serve youth of color and or youth with disabilities in rural Minnesota. So we ended up funding a project in southwest Minnesota um, that works directly with um, one of the tribal nations down there. And um, they've managed to create a, a great partnership that really is um, really at the infancy uh, of a partnership and it's growing and growing, which is fantastic to see, um, you know, involves, like I said, the tribal nation, our local service provider down there, uh, which is a nonprofit, and as well as the local community and technical college, which was able to develop specific credentials that can be you know, really carried from one job to the next. Um, so that's kind of how we've used data in a broader sense, not necessarily like raw numbers, but more kind of the, the we know there's disparities in greater Minnesota based on you know, wage data, based on racial economic data, et cetera. Um, the jobs data is what, what sort of um, industries are in demand. And so this focused on um, those kinds of careers, the trades careers, which are more in demand in that area. Um, and in particular, um, serving uh, American Indian populations. That is often not a focus of a lot of um, funding. And so it was great um, to be able to, to prioritize that type of funding. So I um, hope that kind of answers your question about walking through that kind of data piece when we were developing um, our request for proposals. Um, 
So that's kind of where we, we went with that one. Yeah, no, it, it, it hits on another point I, I always like to think about is I think a lot of people look at data and it's like, oh, you have to be like a data scientist or an analyst. And like, sometimes it is using already available information that's being provided and aggregated for you. And you just, again, kind of need to think through what does that mean in, in, in the context that you're using. The only kind of follow-up question I had, which um, I also think it's a really important point. So when you guys are putting together the different program outcomes, so you saw the national um, federal plan, maybe it wasn't exactly what it needs to be from a measurement standpoint. So with these additional funds, when you guys are thinking about measuring, is it you put the program in place and then you figure out what you're going to measure? Or is it thinking maybe a little bit more in advance? Like, what do we want to do before we start putting these funds in place? Um, so I'm going to dip back into a little bit of history in our programs um, well before I was at TEED. But um, in the early 2000s, um, the team that was in place then at DEED um, worked with Brandeis University to um, kind of develop some of these outcomes initially um, to determine what really matters when looking at a program outcome. Um, so really we have um, relied on those um, outcomes for quite a while now. Um, they do somewhat align um, for the most part with the federal program as well. Um, so we, we do have that. Um, there are some different measures that pop up every so often in terms of maybe special grant projects that come down the, the pipeline to us. Um, one of those in particular, I mean, since we are a um, youth employment program, um, a lot of times the federal program does this, they want to know wage data earned by youth. So um, our state-funded program that I manage doesn't um, collect that on a quarterly basis, um, primarily due to the fact that we can fund a lot of different programs, but the federal program does. And so they will collect wage data, um, like I think it's at the second quarter after the participant has been exited from the program. So after they're no longer receiving services, um, there's sources you can pull wage data from um after the second quarter and then they also look fourth quarter so i guess what, six months in a year after they've been exited what's their wage what are they doing um so that i think is an important piece and um especially for employment programs to look at it is tricky um i would argue for youth programs because you may have a youth who had a summer job and that wage is collected in the summer job well then they go back to school and two quarters after exit, they're in school and they don't have a job. Well, that doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on the program, um, but it doesn't reflect positively on their wage because it's gonna show zero. Uh, so that's where some of these nuances can come in where this data is good to know, but in a youth context, it can be kind of taken with a grain of salt because it, it may not actually be the reality. Um, I, I think for like adult focused programs that, um, do what the youth programs do, but for adults, um, it's probably a lot more pertinent, um, especially if they have a family, you're gonna collect those wages and things. Um, so I would say we don't necessarily develop the programs before the outcomes. I think we kind of rehash what we've already had for the most part in terms of outcomes. And um, definitely when we're working with leadership uh, at DEED, um, they may want certain data um, the legislature also at any time when um, our programs get funded or refunded again, um, 
could put in these parameters that says this needs to be collected. Um, and, and they have been known to do just that um, as well. Awesome. You hit on something that we'll maybe touch on before we wrap up. So the, the data collection piece, um, yeah. it, it sounds like some of what you can do, you can, I'll use the term, maybe recycle, like when these programs are maybe adjustments versus like purely new programs that are being created. So the, some of the thought that has to go around, like actually collecting the data and putting it in place. Um, do, do you find that in the public sector that's done well or do you find that that oftentimes is maybe a little bit more reactive or the legislature or your leadership may be saying, hey, we, we need this information. And oftentimes is it, oh, you're not collecting it or you don't have access to it already. Um, so I would say maybe a little bit of both. So, um, so in terms of our youth uh, workforce programs, the data is entered into a system that was developed by the state of Minnesota. Um, a case management system. And so it's inputted at the ground level. So, um, you know, the information is protected because it can often include social security numbers, um, names, birth dates, addresses, et cetera, things like that, um, protected information. Um, so that is all inputted at the local level. Um, and that can be tricky. And I think in, in any public sector, business, if you will, that is is working directly with folks and needs to track this kind of data, that is always going to be a time-consuming effort. I mean, depending on how much needs to be collected, um, it can be even more of a, a, an issue. Um, in addition to just kind of that sort of data, um, the system that participants are entered into tracks the activities that they participate in. So those activities could be um, you know, obtained a high school diploma. So they'll put that as an activity. Well, then when we go on the back end and run reports, that individual will be collected in an outcome that we collect of obtained high school diploma, degree, or associate's degree, et cetera. Um, so that's where that data will pull from. Um, what was the second part of your question? I think you, you kind of hit on it because there, there has to be some degree of intention to, to collecting information and, and data to be able to use it. It doesn't sometimes like maybe people who have inventory ordering systems, like you kind of have that already as part of your business, but um, you don't just naturally collect this information in your context. <laughs> um, right, and, right. And pretty, pretty rarely is that the case, um, which um, I think one of the, the points to be made is like there there needs to be some forethought or some patience um, or a combination of both. Like mm -hmm. find something, hey, I want to collect that. Okay, sometimes it takes some time to get enough of that information to be meaningful. Before getting into the different deed resources that, that Corey's going to provide, um, really kind of wanted to give just the general summary about what I got out of this conversation. And, and I'll be pretty brief. Again, it was interesting to be able to just hear from like a, a friend what he does and, and definitely he's passionate about it and, and how awesome some of the impact could be from that. But from kind of the data lens, I don't know if I've, I've had such an appreciation for understanding some of the challenges that can happen when you're in the public sector and when you have uh, a lot of different inputs beyond what you even do in a, in a corporate setting, which sometimes people and myself included can get kind of frustrated when you feel like you have a million people to go to in the 
public sector, you have a million and one people to go to. So I found that really interesting. Plus, I, I mentioned this a couple times in the conversation with Corey, is, is I, I really think this helps highlight one of the, the things is you don't have to be a data scientist or a data analyst to be able to use data uh, in your decision making. So in, in your businesses, um, in, in your daily jobs, like there, there's not a need to have to be a computer programmer to be able to, to build models and do all these super complicated things. Sometimes it's it's really as simple as, as a couple internet searches to be able to find already procured information for you. Um, and again, analytics doesn't have to be this super big, robust, complicated thing. You can really start simple and start getting value out of it right away. Now onto the resources that Corey provides us. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's interesting. So kind of wrapping it on up, um, maybe a, a slight, uh, uh, advertisement for deed. So again, thinking kind of the, one of the target audiences for this podcast is the small business owners, um, from, uh, engaging with deed benefits standpoint, like what are, what are maybe one or two things that you think small business owners, if, if they're listening to this and saying, man, I, I really could use this support um, or maybe one or two things that, that they could do to be able to, to reach out to Deed and, and benefit from it. Um, yeah, so I think definitely reaching out to um, the Career Force team um, at Deed. The website, I think, is called careerforcemn.com. Um, and there's tools for employees and employers on there. Um, and I think that would be a great place to start. Um, there's resources on how to attract talent, retain talent, um, you know, upskill workers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think that would be a great place to start. Um, also, just kind of diving into the labor market tools, I think, can be really um, helpful. They are very, very powerful tools um, that this team puts together quarterly. Um, and annually to to update um, you know, the state on that type of situation. Um, I think one of the tools in particular that could be of interest is kind of the wage data in terms of um, the average or median wage for certain positions. Um, they break it out by region of the state. So, um, you know, when you Google the wage, average wage of a, you know, I don't know, a, a registered nurse, you're going to get lots of different numbers. You're not necessarily going to get one that's specific to Minnesota. If you do, it's going to be statewide average. Well, that may not be pertinent to you. You may want Southeast Minnesota. Maybe it's higher down in Rochester than it is in Southwest Minnesota. Um, so those kinds of things, right, um, can be found in that data. I'm going to give you more than two things because I think there's quite a few. Um, I also think in the business and community development side of things at Deed. Um, definitely the community finance or business development, business finance um, components of business community development can be extremely helpful in terms of um, accessing loans or grant opportunities. Um, and for any small businesses that are doing any sort of um, international trade. Um, the Minnesota Trade Office exists under business and community development. And so they can really help businesses kind of either um, establish themselves in foreign markets um, or even just kind of even look into what would that even entail. Um, so I think that would be a great place for any business looking to do um, that. Um, and 
I guess any like general questions about deed, um, the general line 651-259-7114 um, is the, the hotline to call. Um, and they can kind of direct you around to different resources that deed um, can provide, um, especially in the context of small businesses. Awesome. And I'll figure out how to put these in a description of some kind with wherever you're listening from. So uh, uh, you don't have to remember or write down all of those. Um, I'll, I'll get those from Corey. And, and am I re remembering correctly, all of those sources, those are available for free online, um, correct? Yeah, so that's, yes, that's the best thing about um, partnering with the state, right? Um, all of these are available online. The labor market information is available online. Um, if you go to Deed's website, you can find um, kind of just snoop around on there and you can find different sorts of resources through business community development, um, workforce development, um, those kinds of things. And um, yeah, you can partner with Deed in a lot of ways and, and leverage support that staff at Deed can, can provide. Awesome. Yeah. The, the plug I'll have for the, the labor market data is I've, I've used that in multiple jobs. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great website. It's, it's really good. And, and I think they also do kind of a quarterly summary as well, don't they, where they kind of write up some of the big findings and things. So you yes. don't even have to dig through everything for them to kind of help you kind of point you in the right direction as well. Yep. Yep. And there's two, they publish, I think, quarterly two um, magazines or whatever you want to call them um, that kind of, have some interesting articles about the Minnesota economy and just looked at one today of how many, how many um, employees travel across either North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, or Wisconsin to, to work in either of those places or to come here to work um, on a daily basis. And it's an interesting little figure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Corey, and uh, uh, look forward to, to talking to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you.